soul. We believe you are God and in control. Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Bram, a ministry of Worship Generation Church located in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. We believe in the power of the gospel. We believe you can transform every soul. We believe you're the Savior. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. Let the nations be glad, all his saints rejoice. Hey, we suddenly realize in the extent of this division that our decision to stay on this side could cause problems for our offspring down the road. We need to build this altar of witness because we suddenly feel like we realize now there's a river that's between us and them, and they're really over there, and we're over here, and we're outside the castle and the fort. Like in Russia, you know, the, Krem- the Kremlin's a fort, if you don't know what Kremlin means. And there's Kremlins all over Russia. And there when I was in Nizhny Novgorod on the... the, the Volga River, the, the Huns, well, the, Mo- the Mongols came this way in the 1100s, the 1200s, and they just did everything they did, and then the Swedes came down from the north and all this stuff. So the way the river rolls through Nizhny Novgorod, it's a couple million people, is there was a, a monastery where the Russian Orthodox, you know, monks and those guys were. I went to that monastery. It was incredible to be there and see these paintings from like 800 years ago. But they would guard the north end of the river, and if they saw stuff coming from the north, like Vikings and stuff like that, they would run a mile and a half to the Kremlin, and the Kremlin's on the hill. It's still there in, in Nizhny Novgorod today. You, you'd walk about 2,000 steps to go up to it. It's so high up on the hill over the Volga River. Incredible view. But that's the Kremlin. And all the surrounding people that live in the village, when there was raiders, they would all go inside the Kremlin, right? Well, that's that side of the Jordan. No one wants to be outside the Kremlin when the Mongols are coming. Genghis Khan and his descendants, right? That's the idea. They got back from the war and they realized, we're outside the Kremlin. We're outside our boundaries. And we're exposed here. So we need to build a witness so when we're in trouble, they'll come help us. Which, of course, I said, King Saul did hundreds of years later. We don't want to come short. And as I think about the human experience in ministry in the body of Christ for 33 years, I realize so often people settle for second best. And that's the east side of the Jordan River. I settle for second best, and I don't want to settle for second best. This is the last year of my life. I don't want to settle for second best. I don't want to settle for less than all that God has for me. I want to pursue completely everything on the east side, the west side of the Jordan River, and get off the east side. And so I think about people settling for second best with decisions concerning jobs, school, churches, relationships, life itself. I actually said this the other day. It's one of my life sayings. I have learned in the human experience, people will take a known dysfunction over a step of faith toward a healthier function. People will take a known dysfunction that they know how to function in over a step of faith toward a healthier function because it's what they don't know that they're afraid of, the steps of faith not yet seen. And they'll take dysfunction that they understand and function within dysfunction over the step of faith to the next thing. That's like, don't take us across the Jordan. And, you know, in ministry, like, God, we can do this. You can do this. You can turn from this. You can go forward from this. This can all go this way. It's like, well, this is, this is what I want to do with my life. And in ministry, you watch a lot of people make really bad decisions, like staying on this side of the Jordan, and that's what they want to do. And with self-determination, they do it, and God doesn't force it upon them 
the better decision. You know, we were talking about this earlier on in numbers, like Sam and I, you know, the plan B, you know, like, or permissive will. I'm like, that's just too, that's too theological for me. I just know there's plan A is on that side of the Jordan and plan B is on this side. So get yourself over on the other side of the river and go get what God has for you. For years, my hashtag was get after it, right? Hashtag get after it. Because it's not going to just land in your lap. You got, you got to get after it. We have to get after it. We got we to get over. And I don't want to have victory over here to go back to somewhere over there. I want to have victory over here because this is where the best is on this side. That's the abundant life. That's the full life Christ has for us. And that's a, a principle we see here. We need to enter in on personal integrity, everything in the life experience. That's what we need to do. And we can't stay on this side and say, don't take us over the Jordan. We can't. And as we look at these guys on this side of the Jordan, let's think about a couple of things that they were considering because this, this is something we could easily do. First of all, the circumstances for their contentment because they were content to stay on that side of the Jordan. And the circumstances were favorable for contentment. I, have, I must say at 60, there is something very appealing about their situation, right? What do they got? Lots of livestock. <laughs> some people are smart with the stock market. Some people are smart with... Um, Real estate, some people are smart with precious metals, some people are smart with running corporations, and you know, you get 100 widgets and you make a dollar off each widget, and then you know how to do 100,000 widgets, you make that much more money, right? Like, some of you are just really smart in certain ways, and you, if someone builds wealth, they built wealth, God gave them wealth. They're on the east side going like, look at this, man, we got, we got square miles. We've got, it, it looks like central California in the spring, everything's green, it's like the Hollister Ranch when it's green. It's like, oh, look at this, man. Look, green hills, cows, no enemies. Like, why are we going over there? We don't know what's over there. We know what's here. It says that they had a lot of livestock in verse 1. A lot of livestock. And what does livestock need? Land that's good for livestock. What was on the east side? Land that's good for livestock. You see that? So their circumstances were favorable. Their circumstances were comfortable. Their circumstances look like a good decision if you don't have the other bigger decision, what God already said, to enter into everything on the other side. If you're a carnal man or carnal woman, you're like, hey, we got rich in livestock, and look what livestock needs, and we got miles everywhere. This looks good. Why are we going to invest more? Why are we going to risk future stocks that we don't know what they're going to perform like when we've got these stocks that we know perform this way? Lots of cattle, lots of green hills. And the other leaders from the tribes are like, I see your point. Like, think of all the biblical names like Elijah and Isaiah and all these different names. Like, they're the names they would have had, like, yes, it's just, you know, and it's a great idea. Look at this. Of course, we have all this cattle and all this land. It says they have a lot of livestock and the land is good for livestock, which brings us to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but acknowledge him in all your ways, and he will direct your path. Just because something looks good, looks really good, financially good, doesn't necessarily mean it is good. It, it doesn't necessarily mean it's evil to fall for it. Because you, really, like, you can't really say it was an evil thing that they stayed on that side. They chose to come up short. And the consequences played out. But Moses said, like, he's, when they engage Moses. He's not like saying, you guys are in sin. You'll never come back from this. It's like, it's like the harshest women of, uh, through Balaam and Balak's counsel. No, no, it's not. It's just him saying, we got lots of cattle and there's lots of green acres here. And we think we know what's best for our life. And we think we'll do really good on this side of the Jordan River. 
They walked according to their own counsel. They went by what they saw and what they knew. And that's devoid of faith, because faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence not yet seen. And we need to walk by faith, for without faith it's impossible to please God. And we need to challenge ourselves on a day-to-day basis to live by faith. And I often tell the story when I was on staff at Calvary Costa Mesa, that there was a particular Sunday when Carlos Ayub was there at the time, because we had been at Vista together previously back in the 80s, and he was doing the Spanish ministry at the time. He was terrified to get in Chuck's pulpit for anything, because Pastor Chuck used to, remember we'd come out and we'd sit on the little pews, and there's Chuck, like, oh, I'm not here with Chuck, you know, and then Chuck would get up, oh, good morning and all, and sing a hymn, but he would have someone pray, and then someone would do the announcements. And, and Carlos was just terrified to ever go out there. He's just like, oh, man, it's Chuck. Here comes Chuck out of his office. Like, don't look at Chuck. Don't look at Chuck. You know, I'm like, look at Chuck. He's just Chuck, man. He's just, just relaxed, man. Everything's good. You know, like, it's all good. Chuck's good. Um, but Carlos was more, more comfortable praying than doing announcements. But I was very comfortable doing announcements. I'd be like, come on. Oh, I love first service at Calvary Coast and Mesa. Like, are you with me? And I was like, what, what, what? You know, I'm like, yeah, I'm talking to you. Let's go. <laughs> you know, it was great. Because my gift is exhortation, so announcements is a, is a good fit. But for whatever reason, it's kind of silly, but when I would pray, I was like, what's Chuck thinking in my prayer right now? Like, you wouldn't think that, but like, you know, you're here and they're all out there and they're, they've been there for 30 years and you're like the young guy. And it's like, you're like, oh, Lord. I'm like, oh, what a stupid beginning for a prayer. Oh, Lord. You're like, is that a psalm or something? Like, is Chuck impressed? Are they impressed? You're like, I, but doing announcements, like, come on, you people, let's go to the Silver Saints and get fired up for Jesus. You know, like, like that was my wheelhouse. But Carlos liked to pray, and I like to do announcements. I'm like, hey, Carlos, we need to live by faith. We don't want to sleepwalk through these three services today. So why don't I pray and you do the announcements? Well, no, like, I got a cup of coffee right here. Things are just going good. It's autopilot right down the 405. You know, like, no, 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 no. I'm going to be nervous all three services if I need to pray, and it's going to make me cling to the Lord more today if I'm praying in front of Chuck. And you're going to be terrified to do announcements. So let's switch so we'll cling to the Lord all day for six hours instead of sleepwalking through church service tonight or today. He's like, yeah, that's it. Okay, let's do it. All right, it's a covenant. One, two, three, let's go. And so the idea is faith. You've got cattle, there's green fields, but that, that doesn't require the faith on that side. We got to get after. We need to take as... The video was in the book, Ventures of Faith. We need to be looking at 2021 with Ventures of Faith. I love it when we come in here and we see the new stage, shorelines and all this stuff, because we see a future and a hope for the body of Christ. We see a church that's growing numerically, growing spiritually, growing financially. That's what we see. We don't see the church dying in 2021. We see the church getting stronger, and so should you. Because Jesus hasn't changed. I mean, our world's changed, but has Jesus changed? It means he owns the universe. So when we think about the circumstances of contentment. Even God warned the children of Israel, when you come in the land, you inherit all this stuff and it's been good crops, you'd be like, man, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna say like, wow, man, whew, cruise it. You don't wanna do that. Remember the parable of Jesus in the Gospel of Luke? Tell my brother to give me my estate. He's like, hey, listen. Told the parable of the rich man. He says, oh, I've done well. I've, I'm gonna tear down my barns and build bigger barns because I have so much wealth. He's like, you foolish man, tonight your soul will be required of you. There's never a cruise control with the Lord. There's never a, 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 a contentment on the east side of the Jordan River. There's contentment and peace with the Lord, but not contentment to come short of what God has on the other side and the adventures of the other side. We don't want to come up short and miss what Jesus has for us. I mean, the book of Acts is so exciting because it's people just going for it and being available and supernatural things happening. And that's, 
that's what we, that's who we want to be. That's who we are, but that's who we want to be even more of. In our integrity, our growth as a person, our growth as a church, and the fruit of our ministry as we keep moving toward eternity. I don't know what worship generation will be five years from now, but I know what it is today. And that's what we're going forward from, just like my personal life and your personal life. We got we to acknowledge the Lord in all things. And we need to be looking for opportunities to walk by faith, to live by faith, and exercise faith. Because we don't want to get content and comfortable on the wrong side of the Jordan River. We need to be stirred up and challenged. We cannot let comforting circumstances desensitize us to challenging adventures that the Lord wants to do in our life. Because we grow through trials. We grow through steps of faith that are beyond us. I got Pasha's newsletter from Russia. And all during this COVID, where no one seems to be able to go anywhere, he seems to be able to go wherever he wants to in Russia. Siberia, adventures in Siberia to these villages that no one goes to. Then going down to the Black Sea with like 60 youth kids from different calvaries. Going down there to Abbasakaya and doing ministry there in the former Georgia Republic, which is still kind of disputed over who actually owns it. And just doing ministry. And I saw the photos and I was reading this news. I was like, I mean, this... And it was this Russian English is like, it's a great adventure, comrade. It's a great adventure with Jesus. Go for it. Car broke down in Serbia, but no worries. Jesus on throne. Car get fixed by Sergi at only gas station 100 miles away. Great time with Jesus in cold weather. <laughs> it's right there in the newsletter. I'm like, man, I'm not sure I'm signing up for Siberia in cold weather and Sergi down the road 100 miles to fix our car. But you know what? If you're there, you're like... That's all part of the adventure. That's all part of crossing the Jordan River. He's actually coming to America. I, I don't know how he's coming to America, but he's coming to America in a few weeks. So many of you will get a chance to meet Pasha. I'm sure he'll visit us for at least a service. But not to be content, but to seek wisdom on what God has for us to do. Not to, not to lean on our own understanding. And if God confirms what seems practical, good. Because a lot of times, you know, like God is pretty practical in a lot of things. But still, we don't want to presume it because that's what Joshua did with the Gibeonites and made the covenant, and that was a bad decision in the book of Joshua. We need to just acknowledge the Lord in all of our ways and not settle for the circumstances of contentment on the wrong side of the Jordan River. Also, we notice in verse 5, that was verse 1, those things, the livestock, they had it, and they had the, they had the, the things to build their wealth. We're all there on that side, on the east side. But then it says in verse 5 where they said, uh, it let, us, let this land be given to your servants as a possession. This, that's before they said, do not take us over the Jordan. So the request is, let this land be given to your servants as a possession. And this is the request of their choice. They had a, a choice. It's kind of like when your adult children say, well, I'm going to do this anyways. And you feel like, God, you know, like I'm just, I'm not feeling this decision. And those of you with adult children, you're like, what are you going to do? But they're going to make decisions. They're going to want to go to this college. They're going to want to date this person. They're going to marry that person. They're going to want to do this. They're going to do that. They want to, it's just different things. And as an adult, as parents of adult children making decisions, you learn this, you pray, and you just got to trust that the Lord will guide them and lead them and direct them. But these guys came and they made this decision, and this is, this is their decision. This is the wisdom of these leaders representing hundreds of thousands of people. They're going to stay on that side of the Jordan River, and they're making a choice. They're making a choice on behalf of themselves, on behalf of their marriages, on behalf of their children, on behalf of their tribes, on behalf of the people they govern. They're making choices. Like when you watch like movies about shipping, like, you know, every ship is a city, right? Like the captain's like a mayor and it runs like a city. And you, you read about World War II and like Bull Halsey and his fleet and all this, you know, his typhoon, all this stuff they went through and all these things. And, and you realize like 
how captains, if you had a good captain, it would help you in World War II in the South Pacific. If you had a bad captain, you'd probably get torpedoed, right? Like, you want good leadership. You want, you want capable, competent leadership at the top of your, where you're at work. Whoever your boss is, you prefer that. But that's not always the case. But you want spiritual leadership. So we can be spiritual leadership. We can't make our boss be spirit-filled, but we can be spirit-filled. So we can, as we think about decisions that people make, and we have decisions we make that have affected our children, and now maybe when our kids are 30, because I have a daughter that's 30, you think, man, if I could go back and do that over again, I'd do it completely different. I'm always apologizing to Luke for like, dude, I was so hard on you with baseball and everything. I'm like, dude, it's like, you just thought you were playing for the Dodgers in the World Series or something. I was just like, throw strikes! (laughs) He's like, dad, it's all cool, man. I do throw strikes, and you taught me to throw strikes, so it worked out fine. I'm like, yeah, but dude, I'm sorry. It's all right, man. You made me who I am. You know, it's like, I don't know, but I just, I'd bring it down a few gears if I could go back and redo that. I'll be better with the grandkids, I promise. There's nothing worse than a grandpa at T-ball, like, swing at the ball, swing at the ball. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, grand, grandpa's at T-ball, like, way to go, way to go, Wilkie, little buddy. <laughs> but when you're a dad, you're like, little, pivot the hips, man. You're dipping, you're dipping on the fastball. <laughs> You'd like to go back and do it again, but you don't get to, right? But if you're still alive, you can fix what is and make it better for what's going to be. We all make choices and decisions, and we live with those choices and those decisions, and we're watching our adult kids do it, and we do it as well. And we can't go back and change things, but we can do the best we can for the future. And we can be the spirit-filled person in the situation. I gotta, I've been sharing this. It, it fits in any context of what I'm talking about, because it's one of those things when Odin Fong shared this the other day. Uh, the, I just, he just said, he was talking to all these Calvary pastors, and he, and, and he said, look, education's good, and it's very desirable, but being spirit-filled is more important. If you're spirit-filled and educated, that's a great combination. But if you're not spirit-filled and you're educated, it's worthless. And he says, the most important thing is to be spirit-filled. And he said, by the way, if you're spirit-filled, you realize you access the totality of the mind of God for everything in your life. And he brought it about to the wisdom of God. And he said, if you want wisdom, do you realize if you're spirit-filled, you have all the wisdom of the universe? I was like, I never thought of it that way. But James tells us, if you lack wisdom, ask of God. But don't be double-minded. So I was like, wait a second. I'm seeing like, I never thought of that way because you want to build wisdom and equity from other people that are smarter than you and feels that they have of expertise. And so I'm always downloading files from other people like Chris with real estate or Susan with business or Steve with stocks and stuff like that. I'm always downloading public education, talking to Patrick. I download information to gain wisdom to understand things in a, in a better way for what I'm called to do. But I'm like, well, that's great and that's wonderful. I can tap into their wisdom. But what's even better is I get on my knees and I got all the wisdom I need for anything. So when we think about the decisions we make, we can let the Lord guide us in our decisions. We want to make really good decisions. When we make a request for a choice, because God lets us make choices, when we're going to say, hey, we want to make this decision. Are we going to cross over? Or we, want to, or we make this decision like, hey, we want to stay here because we have lots of livestock and the land is really good for livestock. And we like, if we found favor in your eyes, can we do that? When, when you make those kind of requests, we want to make those requests with the wisdom of God and the mind of God because we can't go back and fix previous bad mistakes. We can't make adult children make good decisions with their lives other than praying for them. But what we can do is make the right decisions for our lives to bring blessings upon them as we're moving toward eternity. That's what we can do. So the responsibility of the choices we make and that we make them with wisdom, and again, going back to leaning not on our understanding by what we see and what we know, but really like, let's think about what we're, what we're deciding to do here. 
what are we deciding to do here? We're actually going to Moses and we're asking him to let us stay on this side of the promised land. Do you realize he might just blow a gasket? Like, because of what happened 38 years ago. But what is different? We just got to frame it right. We got to present it properly. It's, it's how we're framing it when we present it to him. Okay, well, you present it then. God gives us these choices. And we can't change the choices that we'd like to redo from the past. But we can definitely request the right choices, the big decisions to, to take, to, to acknowledge the Lord and to make our choices, like I was saying earlier, moving toward faith and greater challenges, to do hard things. Not like we have to manufacture it because God will bring it our way anyways, life will, but that we're making choices like me and Carlos years ago at Big Calvary. Let's choose to live by faith. Let's choose to take steps of faith. Let's see what the Lord might do. We can't settle for contentment on the wrong side, but we have to pursue passionately and intentionally everything that God has on the other side. So let's keep moving toward and embracing the upward call of God and the challenges of a new year and the things that God wants to do in our life. Do not settle for contentment on the wrong side of the Jordan River. It looks good, and it is good in its own way. Because in the end, as we've been saying, as we've been looking through the wilderness wandering, our decisions will affect the future for us and our loved ones. And the warning that Moses gave, I close with this thought where he said, he warned them about like not wholly following the Lord, about stumbling people, about discouraging people, uh, about bringing God's chasing on them, causing people to turn away from following the Lord and destroying these people. Look at the last thing he said there in verse 15. He says, you will destroy all these people. That, that's high stakes. But if we're entering into everything on the east side, on the west side of the Jordan River, from the east side, we're not going to destroy anybody. We're going to build up people. And I was talking with my wife about this today, about I know people in this church, and in many cases they've sacrificed so much for ministry and what they've done for the Lord and the sacrifices they've made. And maybe they live with family for years so they could be in ministry and that can be a little, you know, living with in-laws or whatever. And different things, just, man, just different stuff. Like when you're buying groceries and you have 60 bucks for the week. And all the things that we've been through. And when you move your family. I told Jennifer, you know, when we got in that car in 1991 from 885 East Vista Way with Hannah at nine months and a dog. We went to Virginia not knowing what was going to happen. And we went for it. We totally went for it. And that, that you don't know this, but spiritually it passes on to your descendants. We didn't stay comfortable on this side. We went to that side. When we went to Vermont, we passed that on to Timothy, who was six weeks old at the time. Six months, uh, no, he was six weeks old when we moved to Vermont. Like, we passed that on. Like, you, the kids are little and they don't even know, but they receive a, an equity of a spiritual inheritance. They don't even know where they got it from. But when their parents took the steps of faith and they went to this country and they made these sacrifices and they're all in, it, it's passed on. It becomes a legacy to your children. It becomes a legacy to the people you lead in ministry and your influence on people. It just, it passes on to everybody. When you show people steps of faith and ventures of faith on the west side of the Jordan River, you pass it on to the next generation. You don't need to be on the east side saying, we better build a memorial so no one forgets about us because you're right in the center of the promised land doing what God's called you to do. You don't need to build a witness of memorial. Some contractor says, don't forget about us. We're still in the trust. You don't need to do that because you're right there thriving in the kingdom. And you pass it on to your children. That's the beauty of steps of faith. They might choose to walk with the Lord. They may not, but you, you gave them the heritage and you've given it to them. And, it, and it's, it's there. It's an equity. And it may not be prospering right now, but it'll prosper later. It'll prosper. Hannah lives by faith, our oldest daughter, the pastor's wife. 
And you say, how did you end up with it? Listen, that was from the very beginning when we got in that car and drove 3,000 miles with a nine-month-old. That was all in her DNA. It's in her equity. But it's on the west side of the Jordan. So may we be encouraged for more steps of faith, more adventures of faith. We do not want to destroy anybody. Do not destroy these people by staying in complacency or, or settling for less. We want to encourage people. We want to be like Joshua and Caleb and wholly follow the Lord and not suffer something less on the east side of the Jordan River. So as you seek the Lord this weekend, as you seek the Lord going forward this week in a new month, may God guide you and guide us in fresh visions of, of new ventures of faith, new ways to apply our prayer life to circumstances around us, new, new ways to just consider the kingdom and our place in the kingdom and whatever's going on in our personal life and decisions we're having to make that are critical to affect our future, may God be over all of it. May it not be based upon the livestock you have or don't have or the hills that can feed them, but it may be just based upon that you want to get from this side to that side because that's where it all is on that side. Amen? You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Brandt. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com, where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. And also follow Pastor Joey on Instagram under the tag name at Joey Brand. Thanks for listening and God bless. Not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed, not ashamed of the one I love. Not ashamed, not ashamed.